All right. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Who thought the county could be cool? Here we go. Join Andrew Wall and Brad Domino. Our mission make accounting fun follow us as we chat with amazing guests every friday 11 p.m eastern 9 p.m mountain time are, are you ready, ready? Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! we're live a few minutes late we had some technical difficulties um but Me? we are back yeah um but we're back and we're back with another week with another amazing guest Um, Many of you probably know who she is. If you don't, she's the founder of Elephant Training. Uh, She's the founder of Aguilar Accounting. And I think what a lot of people know her for is she's the producer of the accounting song. Uh, Amanda, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing this week, uh, despite all the weather you're facing? (laughs) Yeah, it's been rough. For anybody who doesn't know, I live in New Orleans, South Louisiana, below sea level. So it's been a stressful is it, so we're, is fine, it we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. Orleans. It is New Orleans. New Orleans. No, if you say Nolans, people will say you're a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> or New or- what about New Orleans? Is it uh, does that no, work? New Orleans is not okay. So it's either New Orleans or New Orleans. Okay. I do it. That's right. okay. So I'm just I am just looking out for your guys' best interests. If you ever come down here, you have to pronounce it correctly, or people will take it. So I have to ask, do you, have you ever heard of the Tragically Hip? Uh, I have heard of Tragically Hip. Not- They're a Canadian band. They're kind of defunct, unfortunately. Their lead singer passed a few years ago, but they have a really, what's their classic song, Andrew? New Orleans is sinking, man, and I don't want to <laughs> swim. That's well, how that's he says it. Apropos for Tragically Hip. If, if there could be a definition of New Orleans, it's probably Tragically And that was before Katrina they wrote that song. Yes. We own Tragically Hip in New Orleans. But I will say, for, have y'all been? Have you, either of y'all been in Oh, New I want to. I have, yeah. yeah. I I'd went love to get down there. And it was one <laughs> hell of an event. I, I wasn't there for Mardi Gras or anything, but it it felt like Mardi Gras. It was just awesome. Thursday. That's why <laughs> like, I want to go. Exactly. I, exactly. When, when, like, you, can, you can go out to dinner on a Thursday and it'll be maybe the most magical experience of your life. Just going to dinner. It's fantastic. I was going to go down there one year for for New Year's. I lived in Bermuda at the time and literally I had nothing going on and I wanted to get off the island and I was looking at airfares in New Orleans. I was thinking of going for one of the bowl games. I was going to get tickets to one of the, in the was it the Sugar Bowl maybe? Yeah, Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah and it, I was going to get tickets, go watch a, a game and hang out in New Orleans by myself. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it fell through, but you I was disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it was amazing. The music down there, it was like, it was so like so many places with live music. Like, I mean, you don't even have to go to a bar to hear live music. You just walk down the street and there's someone with a tuba and trombone, um, you know, and just like at like 10 o'clock in the morning, right, you're right, right, down right. the street. Like, right, On the corner. Like, yeah, that's New Orleans. It's crazy. Like you can't, you can't construct the fantasy experiences that people just have organically in New Orleans. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty great place for it. It really yeah, is. It was amazing. So, so you've been there your whole life, then you, you mentioned. Well, I grew up. Um, I grew up two hours west of New Orleans in a place called um, Scott, which is like the center of Cajun culture. So Cajun is different than New Orleans. We don't have time to get into that tonight, but it is a little bit different. So Cajun. Well, I will say this is. 
um, because of the Canadian connection, but I know the Canadian yeah, connection. So Cajuns were expelled from Nova Scotia and New Brunswick um, in the 1700s, and a lot of French Canadians came and settled in South Louisiana. Um, and the area that I'm from, where I was born and where I grew up, is very, very French. And so that's where I grew up. But then, so uh, can we call you a Canadian? <laughs> I well, want to call you. Can you call a me an Acadian or? A, yeah, Acadian? That's it, Acadian. Yeah, it's yeah. the Canadian Acadian angle. Acadian, right? Acadian. There you go. Awesome. Um, yeah, awesome. You know, the other thing I'd love to to hear a bit more about is like the backstory on. Well, I mean, all of the whole backstory, <laughs> like you know, your accounting program accounting business yeah. training business and how you ended up with david leary of all people. i ended up with david leary and accounting. well it was it started the bar. Yeah. that is true story so um okay so let's start at the beginning ish um i have i have been an accountant since i was like 16 17 right um and had a went to the big four i was a deloitte when it was deloitte and touche and there were six of them. Um, and then I had two babies back to back as these two kids, like literally 15 months apart. So I stopped working for a while. Um, and then in 2012, got divorced and figured out I was going to have to go craft some kind of career for myself. And so did not want to go back into big public accounting with these two children and, you know, being really single and trying to figure out what all this was going to look like. Um, because as you guys know, accounting, especially back then, was it's not the most like family friendly careers like, right yeah totally yeah. right no but, life yeah and especially not coming out of public so um so i i i did not mean to start an accounting firm i meant to pick up some contract work on the side but it turned into an accounting firm um and that, that was awesome and then and so this was like 2012-13 i knew that i wanted to do small business accounting and I looked around at all the, the, the cloud-based general ledger packages. And back then it was QBO, which was, I know you guys are into it, but in 2013. We're open-minded. We go it both was ways. terrible in 2013. We're okay with you yeah. being blue. We're cool okay. with you being blue. It's okay. Yeah. I was blue was, before I was green around yeah. then. Yeah. So in 2013, um, QBO was terrible. And Zero had just entered the U.S. market. And I went to a conference and saw Zero, And I was like, this is freaking awesome like this is just clean and good and has all these things that at the time um qbo did not have so i built a practice on zero in 2013 and because this was the very beginning of the cloud like really nobody everybody was finding their way everybody was trying to figure out integrations and understand apis and and like build ecosystems and so i kind of crafted it and uh you know on my own and as i started to get better at it friends who were also accountants were like, will you train my staff on zero and integrations? And so that's how Elephant was born. So my training company is Elephant. Um, we've started really just honestly training on zero. We train on everything now, but um, that's how Elephant was born. And so, why Elephant? Because you never forget? Like, is right, right. <laughs> this is God's honest truth. So my best friend from college, Monica, is my partner in Elephant and, um, and she was helping me build it. And we were like, what domains are available? First of all, what, like, what is it? What is a, we, nobody is ever gonna pay attention to this. So it doesn't really matter what the name is. And so like, 
let's let's come up with something that's sort of whimsical. We're both French, you know, being from Louisiana. So elephants have memory. There's a wisdom about elephants. And what is the elephant in the room with small business owners? It's the finances, right? Like nobody wants to face their finances. So our tagline uh, was better books one bite at a time. So how do you, how do you eat the elephant? Clever, right? When I, when I explain it, explain it, it's very clever, but we didn't think we would have to explain it to anybody because we thought this would never take off. We thought this was just going to be. Boy, were you wrong. <laughs> we thought this was going to be a, a, an excuse to travel and write it off. <laughs> like, <not really. laughs> so now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. Yeah. So we, we built elephant and we were like, this is going to be, um, just really an excuse to hang out and travel a bit. But it turned into, um, as you guys know, like the need in the industry is around technology training. That's what everyone needs. So now we train on zero, of course, um, QBO integrations and then practice management. So that's what we did. But let me get to the part of how I hooked up with David Leary <laughs> for accounting salon. So um, as I was yeah, I'm sure his wife wants to hear about how you hooked up with David Leary. <laughs> I love Lori. She's fine with it. She's fine with it. Um, so as I was learning about accounting, getting really entrenched with zero, I started, you know, I was going to all the conferences. You guys know this. I won't name conferences, but all the accounting technology conferences in North America. And consistently- Hey, mom, we have no sponsors. Don't worry about it. <laughs> consistently, I would like go to a conference and think- well, this content kind of sucks because for the most part, it's pay to play, right? It's pay to play. It's like, let's just stick somebody up there on the stage that has been an advisor for whatever thing for a couple of years. And you know, the slides were like in the old <laughs> tube format and it was- And yeah, when they were square, right? Right, yeah. So I, I mean, like, I was like, how is this an accounting technology conference? And we're talking about- Excel, like that's not really accounting technology, but, but, but what I, what I was getting out of the conferences was that I was meeting and talking to all these really smart people who were attending the conferences, you know, so I was running into folks that, that, um, that I would only, I would only see the conferences and having these conversations in the back of the room or in the hallways or at the bars that were super powerful. I was like, what if we just distill the conference experience to that like yeah. take away this pay-to-play bullshit. Uh, bullshit like all this vendor <laughs> stale traditional like what is the cloud stuff and get to the part of you know like where the conversation starts here and so um i had talked about this with a couple of different groups groups of people thinking can we just have like can everybody just come to my house in new orleans and we'll <laughs> we'll just talk about really awesome yes. stuff yeah can we just do that part and skip the, you know, the, the hotel ballrooms? Let's just hang out and talk. And so, um, I like the ballrooms though. You like the ballrooms? Yeah. Well, we've when, 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 they're covered, interesting. when it's an yeah. open bar, I like them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so I'd had this conversation a couple of times with different people. Like I have this crazy idea. What if we just have like a French salon, like in the spirit of, um, having open conversation, really smart people, nobody's on stage, everybody's equals, whatever. Um, and I finally met David, you know, because I, I had always been very zero focused. Mm -hmm. um, and so David and I had never crossed paths before. And we happened to be at the Clio conference, the legal software conference in New Orleans. He was here. 
and I'm Jan Halgo, who you guys know. Yep. Like, got you have to have a drink with David Leary. I mean, you do. And so we had a drink, and I was like, I feel like I know you. He's like, I feel yeah. like I know you too. David's pretty cool. He's awesome. Don't, He's a great. Don't guy. tell him I said that though. Was uh, he, he wearing the gold jacket? Yeah. No, he was. He was. Let's see. He was. He was usually in, in green when we see. Yeah, him. he was into it at the time. Yeah. And so he we used were to wear that sitting. green jacket. Looked like a leprechaun. He did not look. He was not dressed like a leprechaun. Um, but he was. He was sitting um, at a, at. We met at this um, bar at the at the Hyatt in New Orleans. And I was like, I have this crazy idea. Like I'm thinking that we should pull together the most interesting cloud accountants in the world and I know the zero people and you, you know the Intuit people and like there certainly are smart people on the Intuit side I just don't know them can we connect he's like I'm in and so within less than a year we ended up having the first accounting salon so is that how he hooked up with Blake Oliver and ended up doing the cloud accounting podcast I thought you were gonna say you met David through Blake because no nope. I know you're hardcore zero you are definitely an advocate in the same way that Andrew and I are on the QBO side but Blake, I mean, when I first met him, it was like, whoa, like he, lo- he, he wasn't he one of the first zero advisors in North America. I think it was number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know in the early days of, of the cloud accounting podcast, I used to just listen to them and it was like banter back and forth that it was like a bit of a battle. It was like a bit of a turf war. That's like zero did this and David would say yes in the QBO world it was it was kind of fun I actually I enjoyed the fact that you had the two sides because well, it was a point counterpoint sort of yeah. discussion early on they don't really yeah. do that anymore but it was fun to yeah so that. Blake and I I mean I've known Blake since um to, at least 2016 if not before but he and I were the uh, two of the original zero ambassadors when they rolled out that program in 2016 um, and I guess that's when I really got to know him. And then David left into it in 2018, 2019, 2018, 19, somewhere around there. Um, and I guess David maybe joined the, the podcast around then because Blake had had it a little bit before David joined Okay. Um, but that's a great, isn't that a great program? Oh, it's, oh, it's excellent. It's so the best good. in the industry by far. Yeah. I just remember finding out about it because David and Blake were at somewhere in San Jose and they were handing stickers out everywhere. And of course we all love stickers, right? And I've got a ton of them. And I do, yeah, I do listen awesome. to it fairly regularly. It's, they got good chemistry, those two. Yeah. Well, and I also love that it's the, it's the mixed background because it's, yeah. it, it's still like, it's amazing to me that um, both communities, when you look at both communities, it's all about help and support, but yet, there's become this like divide. And I, I don't know yeah. if that's created by Zero and, and Intuit themselves. I, I'm not sure. Like I've never directly felt that, but it's always been this, like you're either blue or you're green. And I don't know why there's become that divide because every one of us, whether you're blue or you're green, you're forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Like you, 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 we, you and I, we think the same way. Blake and I, we think the same way. We're, we're open to change. We're open to adapting. We're open to technology. And whether you're zero or, or QBO, and there's definitely differences in the specific applications for sure, but they're minor, right? Like, Well, don't you think, I mean, don't you think the big divide is not blue or green, but it's like cloud or not? Yeah, yeah that's, definitely. That's the real divide, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's the, and, and it's the people who are, it's, 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 you know, we talked about this fixed, 
versus growth mindset, right? And and to me, that's really where the divide is. It's not even cloud versus desktop. It's fixed versus growth. And I look yeah. at the people who are cloud focused as being growth mindset, that we're open to new experiences, that there's we're not looking at this as a binary experience um, where we're limited in what we can and we cannot do. Um, whereas I tend to think, and this is obviously a big, big, big generalization, is that a lot of those desktop people are really into a fixed sort of mindset into what they can do and what they're capable of and what QBO is capable of or what zero is capable of and all the issues and limitations that you find with cloud, whether it's a, a security issue or whatever the rationalization and justification for not moving and adapting to new technology, those same people who are on desktop are the same people who fought, you know, um, going to you know paperless who fought anything right you know what, yeah. I mean? what do you mean we're going to give up excel i'm not giving up excel i'm going to still use it for everything you know well, excel hell right let's be honest i mean you you we we gripe on excel but both all three of Everyone us uses use excel it. i mean excel is an amazing program and I, and i think that just like we shouldn't allow people to gripe on the cloud we shouldn't gripe on excel too no. much. excel is a very powerful tool you can't run a work you can't run your whole life on it though no and and it's, it's well about, i think know, when excel has to be the solution to things that's the problem right yes. like when you say but it's the only solution to right is the right right i mean there there are some amazing cloud apps out there that will probably do anything that you want them to do that you would have done Excel, right? So there's there there's forecasting, there's cash flow, there's modeling, there's uh, whatever, all these things. If there's an app for that, I'm sure. But when you like la 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 la, la I can't even. Sure. Why would I pay you know $19 a month for software when I can just download it and manipulate it and spend three hours working on it? <laughs> why are accountants so bloody cheap and so stubborn and so stubborn? Like yeah. this yeah. is. This is across the board. This is the way we've always done it. (laughs) I can't afford that for that app. That makes no sense at all. And and this is the one thing I think that I I wish that us as an industry would be more free with our wallets and more willing to invest in technology and recognizing that technology needs to be up there with labor for our number one and number two costs of our organization. Um, I know for for my organization... (laughs) It's the only thing outpaced, the only thing I spend more money on than technology is labor. There's nothing else in my organization, not rent, not, yeah, and, yeah. and nothing else other than technology, than, than labor. Yeah. Um, and I think that but that's, that's, that's not, the, that's not the legacy of the green marble accounting firm, right? Like the green marble accounting firm is, it's always worked. We've always had enough clients. We've always had enough revenue to cover these things. But, but here's, the, here's the deep, dark secret. Those firms are going to be worthless in 10, 15 years. Nobody will buy them. And there's, yeah. there's this whole bubble of, um, of aging accounting firm owners that think they have something of value that don't. Well, this oh, is I agree. A, I, this is a really interesting topic, actually. I'd like to go down this rabbit hole a little bit because you know I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think that they'll be worthless, but they'll be worth pennies on the dollar. Yes. Accountants have in their head, my practice is worth one time's revenue. Correct. No, it's not. It's worth what someone's willing to pay for it, right? And what am I willing to pay for it? And I'm looking at your business model and going, 
well, you're, you're in a limited space. You're going to be, if you're an aging accountant and you don't have a succession plan uh, already built into place, you're going to be up against probably hundreds of other accountants who are selling. And, and most people are going to look at your business and going, well, you know, I'm going to have to try and transition all your clients off. of Exactly. That's a lot of, that's the big one, right? We're going to have to do all these conversions for your entire book of business. So you have to discount the the value of that. I'll go on record right now and say that buyers are not looking to buy a book of business anymore. They are looking to buy staff. They are looking to buy process and they're looking to buy tech staff. That's there you go. So it's, it's got to be turnkey. They want, they want to be able to just come in and say, hey, I'm a zero or I'm a QBO firm. I can take all these clients on and have them transition into my yeah. books in minutes or you know a couple yeah. hours or whatever. It's not going to take long to get that entire book of business yeah. integrated with yours and then well, and, start and the serving them. Too is they can go, well, I can buy your book of business. You, you think you can sell it to me for a dollar, but I can actually put together a whole... Google ads campaign, target all the people who right. go to your website right. and acquire your clients for 50 cents on the dollar right. without paying you a penny. So why am I going to pay you a, you know, one times earnings for your practice when I can, like, I can take them out from underneath you for right. 50 cents on the dollar or less or less. Just I'll wait for you to implode and retire or walk <laughs> away and I will take clients from you. So, and it's not just your clients. It's going to be the client's hundred miles from here, 200 miles from here, 400 miles from here, whatever it is. Like, I, I really think that there's this bubble that is um, bubble of disappointment in accounting uh, yeah. firm values. It's about to, that's going to pop in the next five years. What do you, and this is an interesting question. Like you, you talk about clients. Um, I'm going to take them all across the country. Um, this is one of the great advantages of being a modern cloud accountant is that you can service um, clients all across the country. Um, but I, I can certainly say for ourselves, from a marketing standpoint, from, you know, you, you look at Google and being able to position yourself in, in specific markets, it's a lot harder to acquire um, people outside of your local market, even though you can service them now, like technology is not a limitation. You know, it's very easy to be able to service people no matter where they are in the world. But marketing and acquiring clients outside of your local area is not as easy as acquiring them within your local area, thanks to like Google algorithms and other things like that. So what's your thought on how that may change or whether people should be trying to look at whether that, whether that growth outside of their local regions should just be organic and whatever comes, comes or whether they should be targeting it. So, so I, I think most good growth is organic, meaning word of mouth referrals. So if you have some sort of, I don't want to say niche because it's not necessarily about a specific industry or vertical, but if you have some sort of relationship, like keeping that relationship intact and positive and, you know, high NPS is super valuable because you'll get more referrals off of one good client than you will in, you know, in spending money on Google ads. Like it's just, word of mouth and referrals are, are, are where, are where it's at. Yeah. It's, it's about building a little community and, that, and, and allowing that community to grow and, and nurturing that community, right? That community just yeah. happens to be your clients. Um, so definitely. And so that brings up another interesting point. Keep going down these rabbit holes with you. That's okay. We have a whole hour. 
Yeah, you'll it'll fly by. You'll be amazed. So, what's your thought and your take on digital marketing and advertising? Because it sounds like I, I think know it's that, exhausting. I, I, think, well, it's, 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 I hate it. But I, I think it's it. an I think it's an underutilized thing by our industry. We, you know, every, like I agree with you that the best type of growth is organic client referral, and I'm not saying you don't focus on that, but I don't find that enough people in, in our industry are focusing on digital marketing as an effective tool. I mean, you look at, there's millennials who have built multi-million dollar businesses straight out of Google ads and Facebook ads and Instagram ads and Instagram profiles. It, there is a business model where you can literally, you know, print money if you can acquire clients for well below, you know, I think they, the, the model is supposed to be a third of your lifetime value. If your cost of acquisition is less than a third of your lifetime value, then basically you're printing money. And but how does that feel? I mean, that doesn't feel like loving and generous and kind, you know, like, I don't know, that feels... And you've met your match, my friend. <laughs> but I don't think there has to be a disconnect between the two, right? You're, you're going to be building your brand, building your community, um, and providing that loving, caring, nurturing thing that you do as an accountant. And then you have a marketing division and a marketing team that basically is, you know, spinning that flywheel, generating those leads, generating that new business, and just adding on to this momentum that you're creating with the goodwill and the good service and all the things that you do. Because I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, if, if, if you're going out there and you're just going to do digital marketing and then provide shitty service, I, I mean, it's going to be a revolving door, right? It's, it's, it's not going to work. But don't um, you feel there's like, I mean, we're all at capacity. Like, how do you do all the things all the time? And I guess this is where you say, Amanda, you can outsource this and you can have somebody, somebody help you do it. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like I, that's, um, I don't know. I, again, that's. I know it works for some people. <laughs> I know that it works for some people. Yeah, I, right. I probably do have the most fixed mindset around sales and marketing. Like, I'm very tech forward. I will like I'm a badass when it comes to making ecosystems work and figuring out workarounds and like all that stuff. But I definitely have a fixed mindset when it comes to sales and marketing. I don't like it. I'm an introvert. I really am an introvert by nature. Like, if I was not here talking to you guys, I promise you, I would be in bed reading my book. Like I am a very, um, I have a limited amount of external energy. And so to talk about sales and marketing as a thing. Marketing's hard, right? When you start your business, I think everyone thinks, how hard can it be? I'll just put up a website and the clients will just show up, right? It's, it's one of the hardest parts of owning a business. And I know, you know, back in the day when I was in business school, before I was an accountant, I thought, how hard can this stuff be? And then you'd write the exam and you'd just get butchered because it's it seems like common sense, but there really is an art form to doing it right. Um, but you so, have to do it all yes. the time. Like you can't just yes. like set it and forget it. Like you have exactly. to constantly be on. I, yeah. I don't like it. I'm saying this out there because I know that there are people who will listen to this and think, Think that they're think that they're failing because they don't have the energy to do marketing and sales. I I know this. I've talked to people like this. Like it is the part I think of accountants and bookkeepers that it is the most stressful for us. Yeah, so I agree. I am saying I have you know I have a, a lifestyle practice. It's not a million dollar practice, but I'm comfortable and I love what I do. 
And I hate marketing and sales. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I, like, the one thing I want to say is, number one, if you're not doing it, you're not failing. And I, I don't want to put that, like, out there that I'm like, oh, you know, I just wish that people would be more open to exploring it. Because I think that there is this perception that it's very complicated. It's very hard. It takes a lot of work. But I think, you know, like, I was watching this um, TED Talk. I'm embarrassed to say it. I was watching this TED talk on um, how, the, the concept that you can learn anything in 20 hours. You know, we, we've always heard, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell story that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. Well, how many hours does it, be, does it take to become, you know, just a generalist, you know, being capable of doing the bare minimum? And, and it's this 80-20 rule. And, and they talked specifically, they were talking about music. And, you know, if you can learn four chords, you can play 90% of the most popular music with just four chords. And I think that that's, that's generally true for, for most things in life, including marketing. And I think that if people would take the- Teach me those hours, four, Andrew. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, the, that it's just a matter of being willing to spend some of your time and energy yeah, on that. I agree. And, and I think if you're not, if you don't want to do it and you're happy with your lifestyle business, trust me, I'm not, I, I don't want to shame anyone. I'm not trying to sit, look down on anyone for not doing it. I just want to encourage people to take some steps into a place where they're not comfortable because we know a lot of people in our industry are not comfortable in that marketing and sales role. And, and it's maybe because they feel like you got to become an expert. You need to know so much. It's constantly evolving, what, whatever it might be. Can we talk about though, the, the, the external pressure in social in our industry about scaling, like, not everybody's dream practice is to scale. No. Not. And I, and I feel like every conference we go to, there's um, talk about how to make your firm bigger, how to, you know, add all this. That's not everybody's dream practice. No. Like I, I don't have a huge practice. I have had a lifestyle practice since I've, you know, started in 2013. I've got two kids. I like to do all kinds of other really cool stuff that makes me happy. Um, so I, I just want to, I just want to put it out there that like your dream practice doesn't have to be on par with someone else's dream practice. And it's about like figuring out what makes you deeply happy. Absolutely. So I guess to switch gears a bit, tell us how COVID has impacted, um, the, the conference side of things. So um, obviously the salon the virtual conference because yeah, it was, and I just wanted to say, I've told you this privately, but you know, the whole virtual thing is I'm a bit burnt out because yep. before we came into the pandemic, we're zooming all the time anyways, which is awesome. But now, you know, virtual conferences, they're hard to get my attention. And I really yeah. enjoyed the show that you and David put on. It was, it had a great flow to it. The content was first rate. The presenters were excellent. And I, I stuck around for the whole day. And it was a long day, huh? Yeah, it was. I think you had like nine, nine hour long nine sessions hours. with about five or 10 minutes between yeah, them. This is, this is the cautionary tale of all this. When, you know, six weeks in, into uh, COVID, you have a, a conference. The accounting salon was set to go off at the beginning of May. We had all of our programming. We have all of our, conf you know, member speakers had prepared for this. And so David and I looked at each other literally three weeks before. And we're like, all right, we're pulling the plug on, on site. 
but I mean, everybody knows how to do Zoom webinars. Let's just turn it into a virtual conference and invite everyone. And so we did. So we turned salon, accounting salon into what we call salon B virtual um, and invited the world. And we had like 1200 people come and, it, and the content was literally what would have been at accounting salon on site. So it was accounting members presenting, they're all practice, most of them are practice owners. Um, and it was really fantastic, fantastic content. Well, um, it was good because we got to crash it, right? Because when you guys are doing accounting salon, you see it show up on social yeah. media and the people who don't know what it is, going, what's, what's accounting salon? Well, yeah, and people who that's don't how I found out about it. Are like, I wish I was there. Yeah. yeah. So at least yeah. we got to crash it a bit and get yeah, a flavor cool. more. Like, so it's um, good marketing, right? So back to that marketing discussion. We weren't trying to market. It was I'm, literally like, <laughs> this is something David and I have talked about for a couple of years is, is how, what is our responsibility with this brain trust of cloud accountants? Like, don't we have some kind of responsibility to the industry to provide insight? I mean, you guys know, like, I mean, you guys are part of it. There's this, there is this uh, network of really smart cloud accountants and then there's the other 90% of the industry. And so when you have a lot of people in one spot, you think, well, we can't not share this with people. So we honestly, internally with accounting salon, we've, we have considered how we can make that available to everybody for a long time. And so this is a great opportunity to do accounting salon and do yeah. salon B. It, it was awesome. It was a long day. We will not do it nine hours. <laughs> but you must've been thrilled because it really did go yeah. well. And I've been to other virtual conferences since, and I'd lose interest after the first session. And then I might turn it on as background noise and then forget I'm even there. I was, I was genuinely- like the smartest people. I mean, there were, yeah. there were freaking awesome people like Michael Lee, you know, who you guys yeah. are tight with. Who's um, Michael Lee? I haven't yeah. seen him. Heard of him. Heard of that guy. In one session, you know, Jeannie Whitehouse in the session. Um, oh yeah, how can you go wrong with Jeannie? Like, they, it was just the most awesome people. And y'all, these, these folks graciously gave their time and said, we want to share this content with the world. It was, it was awesome. Like it was, re it was really like a humbling kind of. My favorite uh, session, my favorite was session awesome. it was right near the end was Blake and Will Lopez. Yep. Those yeah. guys just okay. had, had it dialed in and they're both so good at what they do. I mean, Will is a, is a gem. Like that guy is brilliant. As and, is Blake. Uh, yeah. 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 And the two of them were just feeding off yeah. each other. It was great. Fantastic. It was so good. Yeah. So I will get, can I let y'all in on a little secret? Everyone, all 20 of our listeners tonight, 50. We're thinking about doing it again in December. Ooh. I that did. was going to be my next question is, is yeah. so, you know, we, everyone talks about COVID creating the new normal. What's the new normal for accounting salon? Is the new normal? Is it going to be virtual from now on? So like even in, let's imagine a post-COVID world where you can yeah. come and get together. Yeah, are we going to have conferences anytime soon? So in a post-COVID world, I think Accounting Salon will still be its core 45 or 50 members on-site in New Orleans. I think that's really, really valuable to be in the same room with you know folks from around the world who are at the top of their game. However, I do think there's an obligation for us to put good content out there, especially now. Um, there, there is an overwhelming amount of noise. Um, there's an overwhelming amount of paid content um, that is, you know, 
some valuable, some not valuable. Like we want to provide a channel for accountants and bookkeepers who are practice owners to know the, this is good stuff. Like this is really good stuff. And so I think going forward, I hope we will be on a cadence of um, having our, our onsite in the spring, but always doing a fall um, virtual event. And so we are looking at December one and two as doing salon V2 is what we're calling it internally, but that would put us on the right cadence for um, every year doing that for, um, for folks. So, so a virtual in the, in the fall, winter and yeah. a spring on site yeah, exclusive top VIPs. Yeah. yeah but I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't, I hate saying that because I don't, it's not, it's not exclusive. It's just, it's a place for the folks that are always on stage or are always giving to finally get to, to kind of come and be vulnerable and talk about their own practices and just let their hair down and relax. And so it's, it's not secretive. It's just a little but bit. It is, it is exclusive and it, and it truly it's okay, though. Really exclusive in, in my opinion. I think that it's yeah. great that it's. I love the cohort concept because it does going to create this desire to be a part of it. And you're going to, the, the people who apply for it every year, the, the standard's going to go up. You're just going to get better and stronger and people are going to want to be a part of it. And um, yeah, it gets, uh, you got, you look at, at the list of who's part of it, the past members and everything. And there's a big cross section of the world in there. It's not just, you haven't just focused on one region or one platform, you know, we keep going back and forth with QBO and zero, but of course, you know, we got Rachel Fish in there. You got Rachel Fish in there. Who's who, of course she comes from the Intuit background, but she's been in hotshot for Sage for several years now. So you got, you know, Sage people in there. It's not brand agnostic. And I think that was, that's the refreshing part of it is that you can just get people together to put the brands aside and say, let's talk conceptually here and share cross platforms because yeah. That's the thing. It's it's a rising tide concept. I think we're all in these days is that, you know, be, the scarcity mindset kills people, you know, and kills creativity. And it's so old school to say I, what's mine is mine and I don't want to share it. It really is the new way of doing business is the sharing is caring concept and everyone benefits because there's enough work to go around. Totally. It so to really point, is. I will, I will tell you that and to be in a kind salon, there are two criteria. This is it. To be the top of your game with technology, like to be, like we have conversations that start here. We don't need to explain to anybody what cloud is. Like we talk about very high loop. So, so you need to know how to post a Zoom to Facebook Live to the right account? <laughs> <laughs> but the second thing, this is probably more important, is that we, we want people who are generous of spirit, who have... A, a, tr a track record of sharing their knowledge of being kind of being inclusive like that is really really important when we go through the nomination process every year there are a lot of people who are technically qualified who are like kind of a jerk <laughs> you know they're not that's <laughs> not that's not the that's not the vibe we want in a kind salon so it's really important to us that is a group of people who are willing to give, willing to share, willing to be vulnerable, um, and, and be a part of something that's, that's bigger than, than them. Right. So I love that. And, and, and I, I love that this, you're going down this model of 
an in-person and a virtual because mm-hmm. I think that this this gives you the ability to do to accomplish um, both your objective to share and to what I think is critical to a mechanic salon and to the long-term success of a caring salon, which as I've said is exclusivity. And and the exclusivity is critical because we know that you can't have an event of 5,000 people and connect with 5,000 people. It's just not possible, right? And and so you're going to have to have it tight. And you also want it to be the best of the best, right? Which means by nature, if you're going to have the best of the best, that needs to be exclusive. But yet with the concept of combining the, okay, we're going to have a tight, small group where we meet in person and we do this and we, and we have our training where we're, we've got that in person, which we all know that like, you know, Brad and I are the first to say like, we love in person over virtual. Um, so that in person tight community, but then share out that, and I don't even care whether it's live or later shared later, but to then say, Hey, we, we've built all this content that we've done where it's in this tight knit thing and, and people have given back and we're going to share that out to the entire community of 1200 people. I love that, 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 that to me is like the, the perfect conference. So now this David, could- Nailed the best, the best podcast and the best conference. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Andrew and I have been bouncing ideas around because there's no no surprise that you know we met at a conference five years ago. We've we've traveled to England together. We've been to conferences in Canada and the U.S. together, and we are dying in 2020. Like there's a part horrible. of us has been ripped out of us because conferences are so important to us. Um, just from that social angle, being around the people that we love to be around, the sharing, the learning, just being in the same room with people. It's been tough. So like, I think when I finally see people in person, I really might cry. Yeah, I think it'll be an emotional time. I agree. And the tears when I finally see David and Rachel and Dan, all these awesome people, like I really think I might bust into tears because I I just, I mean, these these have become my best friends, my business partners, you know, like, they're my people yeah and isn't it amazing that you can have your people and your tribe be people who are all over the country all over the world the world world. i mean accounting got australia clayton and three yeah yeah, we have two australians two um ladies from uk and three canadians like you need more canadians that's all i can say (laughs) i'll be cadian we'll be acadians and and this is the one thing again uh and, and again props for for accounting salon is brad and i love our conferences right and we love you know going around the world and, and being part of these massive conferences which are five thousand people but the one thing and brad and i i know i know brad you think the same way as i do mm-hmm. on this we start to skip sessions now yeah because the content is is repetitive. yeah i heard it how many times can you hear about trusted advisors and stuff so we go That's hang so out awesome. in the hallways and yeah, talk to people. It's the it's like you said. It's 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 those conversations, and and you just called it skip the ballroom. I like the ballroom because that's the free food and the free. Food. <laughs> we um, stay up late, Amanda. And, we don't read books. Yeah, that's our reputation. What I'm certainly sick of is the same topics over and over. And and trust me, like I don't fault the people who put on these conferences. No. Because I get like they're like we are the tip of the spear, right? We were there in 2012, 2013, 2014. So we've we've been around, but there are a lot of people who are just coming into this now. 
know, the late wow, where did this come from? I mean, honestly, do you think even the industry, like, okay, so let's talk about what the topics are in the greater accounting industry. It is advisory. Advisory, yeah. Uh, Value billing. Value billing. Yeah. And uh, cryptocurrency (laughs) or AI. Like it's, so it's like these, these things that are either super stale, but I mean, come on, like, value billing like is there really hmm. has no one heard about value billing or we're trying to ask accountants cpas who won't give up their servers to embrace ai like like what we're going from this one jump like over a year how yeah. it's a very it's, pretty big chasm so are y'all I don't, i'm tired of it i'm tired of it i am tired of it and that's why we do something i just yeah. do something <laughs> Yeah, and and see, Brad and I have sort of we do it we we do that by just skipping the conference, yeah, and hanging, hanging out. out exactly, yeah. totally hanging out. The relationships have been so important because you know it, the weirdest thing about it is I think of uh, this this conversation I had with uh, a friend from from DC, and we're walking down the street with drinks in our hands, and we've had a few. And we're super animated and we're talking about receipt bank, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like what, I, what yeah, else is there yeah. to talk about walking down the street or, Hey, how do you do this? And, you know, we're yeah. sharing little tricks we've learned. And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And if, if someone were to walk into a conversation at some of these conferences that is not in the accounting space or in a, cl- in a cloud accountant, they'd be like, these people are freaking boring. <laughs> and in the meantime, we're drinking and partying and debits and credits are cool at three in the morning when you've had had a few. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I miss those days, y'all. Can we go back to that? I'm it is a day to go back to on-site conferences. But, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up on, on about 10 minutes. Um, Already? I know. We told I, you it goes fast. Like, well, like we have- lost four minutes, so we'll go an extra four tonight, Andrew. And, uh, we'll, we'll go an extra four. And the one thing is, I, I want to take us down to a darker subject, unfortunately, um, because of you know, I think it's critical to start having conversations about what's going on. Um, obviously, what's going on in Wisconsin, um, what what's going on, unfortunately, around the world, um, and, and I want to just continue. Um, a little bit of a conversation that, you know, we've started in past episodes um, that I think we, we can't just ignore what's going on in the world right now. Um, and it's, it's kind of fucked up. It's really, really Probably fucked up. up. Um, pardon my language. Um, and I think it's really important to acknowledge um, how fucked up it is um, and how proud I am of the NBA as much as I'm, I'm, I'm missing and disappointed. Um, that the and Raptors, especially since the Raptors are defending champions. Uh, absolutely. Well, and, and, and I mean, to, to like, okay, the shooting has sort of taken precedence over which what, shooting, right? Well, like, yeah, which, that's the point. That's a fucked up thing, right? Right. Yeah. Like, Literally like which shooting, like, oh my God, say their names. How many names can you say? Like, it's, it's insane. How fuck, how, like I was having a conversation with, um, my family tonight around the dinner table. We're, we're, we're like flabbergasted. How can people continue to act like this when it's like the world is on fire and everyone's aware of what's going on and yet it fucking continues? Not everybody's aware. Not, I mean, no, that's not, that's not. It's, 
I guess it's that these people are insulated by their systems and, and it's scary and, and it's disappointing. Like it's, it's, I'm embarrassed to be a white person in this world right now because of what's going on. And, and I don't know what I, I'm at a loss of words for what to say and what to do, but I feel like we got to have a conversation around it because it's so bloody fucked up. Right. Is there a and question, there, Andrew? There, there is no question. It's just like, yeah. let, let, let's, let's have a discussion. Do you yeah. guys have, do you guys have kids? Yes. Yeah. I have an 11 year old. I have one. 16 year old. He's yeah. mine's just about 16. Yeah, I so I have a 16-year-old. She's almost 17, and I have a 15-year-old boy. And I don't know how you... I don't know how... I mean, we try, I've tried. Like, I don't know how you explain what has happened because it's... It's just... It's, I can't... It's hard to put into words how you how you can how you communicate with your children what has happened and why and like this is not something that's happened once it's not something that's happened six times it happens over and over and over and over again and we keep pushing back against it and there's it still have happened so how do we how do we how do we stop this how do we how do we stop this it's 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 saddening it's scary um it's disappointing and like when we finally have the world paying attention and it doesn't fucking stop i can't imagine i'm i'm angry as a white person i cannot fathom what it must feel like to be a black person right now i I just can't i can't fathom i would be so fucking angry so fucking (laughs) angry but but it's i I mean it's not just that anger it's got to be the despair and the 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 helplessness and the hopelessness and like how how like how do you how how can we stop it i don't um i don't i don't know i don't know what to say i don't know what to say because it's so it's sad isn't it and i don't know what to say it's just crushing you know it's just crushing that this keeps happening over and over again and i'm so fucking tired of hearing people on Facebook defending it. Yes. So I will tell you that right now. I don't want to hear all fucking again. I don't. Yeah. If, don't don't tell me that you know. Well, we should support the police. We should do all these things, and you know, screw the protesters. They're damaging property. You don't know how pe- you can't undo, you know, hundreds of years of 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 suppression and and violence. And say that because somebody took down a statue or someone, you know, burned something that it's equivalent. It's not equivalent. It's fucking not equivalent. And so, it's it is exhausting for me. I can't imagine how it is for a person of color to go through this exactly right now. I tell you, one of the 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 best things I did through this pandemic, I went to a BLM protest in Calgary. There were over two thousand people there, and and I felt uplifted, energized. Um, and I was really proud of how many white folks were in there marching and going through the chants and everything. And, th- and that's one thing I, he- I heard a discussion yesterday on the news saying that now more than ever at these protests, you see more and more and more white people there. They're not just paying it lip service anymore. They're getting out there. They're supporting the cause. They're showing their support. So maybe, and I'm hopeful 
you know, I've heard that it, of every pandemic there's ever been in history, there's always been the silver lining that is shown afterwards. And I'm hoping that this is a tipping point where society's finally saying enough is enough. You know, it's about time we take these issues seriously and let's do something about it. Forget but about lip service, let's like, do something. Yeah, but it's, it's also not just showing up to take a picture of yourself at a protest. Agree. I mean, that's, that's temporary. Like I, I, I and I, I, didn't before this thought I was a racist person at all. I really, I really didn't. But I've, I've had some come to Jesus moments in the last six months. Same here. Um, mm-hmm. Like deep unpacking of shit, you know. And you guys know Nio Carter Gray, like she of and I. Of course, we love her. Like she has, you know, she has made me think about things. Oh in yeah, she's educated Andrew and I very in much. So. Different way, like things that I just was shocked these beliefs that and it's not really it's not really beliefs it's just these this programming that i sort of it, it's i guess i just had it, i just this wiring that i had of, it's, of, it's of privilege i didn't know it been, i didn't know it it's been plugged into you it's been like it's it's systemized but, but what's but what's this is kind of heavy for a friday night but what's what is it's not like i didn't feel like i was programmed as a southern white woman to think certain things i really but believe- you were and you didn't realize it i, was, I didn't realize not- it. i didn't realize it wasn't it wasn't things about that were so obvious it was the subtle things about right it was the subtle things about um language a, a privilege of things yeah. i did not ha- ever have to think of before yeah. that i have now um just been aware of, of, of things that I didn't, I, I just never had to consider. And I, and I think about it in a different frame because of conversations that I've had with, um, with friends. So I, I hope, I hope that it's, I hope that it goes beyond standing in front of something and being a, a protester. That's important, but that's not where it, that's not where it, where it stops. Did anyone hear LeBron James talking about this this week? He I did not. talking about how, <laughs> how it is so important to him when rookies come into the league that he mentors them about dealing with your fame because all of a sudden you've got all this money you're buying all these fancy cars and you're you're wearing you know the best clothes and all this stuff but you got to prepare yourself for being pulled over for whatever reason they have no idea you're a basketball player and the cop comes up and he sees your fancy car and he sees the color of your skin and there's a certain perception that can happen. And he basically mentors these rookies saying, here's what you have to do. Make sure your hands are visible at all times. Turn the light on inside the car. Yeah. And that's sad that they even have to do that with their sons. Unfortunately, that's, that's just a conversation that I didn't even realize took place. I, I've now known it for years, um, but I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. That's just a, that's just part it's of natural life in, in that community. But I think one, one of the one of the comments that that touched me the most, I, I can't remember who said it. I wish I could remember who said it. Um, but we were talking a bit a bit about it at the dinner table tonight, and and it was this comment from um, it was an NBA player. I can't remember who, and he said, you know, and and you know, like almost in tears, you know, he was saying, we love America. We love America. It just doesn't. That's Doc America. Rivers. Isn't Doc he a Rivers. coach or, a, um, yeah. I, I heard that and I was just, I had goosebumps listening to it. Yeah, literally. He was, yeah. he was just at the edge of, 
of breaking down and he's yeah about not being loved back and that's really and he he boiled down what black lives matter means now let's just for sometimes people like to paint it saying oh there's this black lives matter organization and they're this and they're that and marx has left it whatever that doesn't matter but it's more than just the organization it's it's now a movement and he encapsulated what it really means in such an amazing way i'm gonna i gotta track down that that discussion because i want to use that as reference material and study it because he brought a lot of really good lessons that i think every white person needs to sort of internalize and if you're gonna say all lives matter around me well of course all lives matter that's just obvious but that's not the point here in fact when you say that you're actually being I'm not going to use the racist word because that's not the point. You're being intolerant, though, and you're not a, you're trying to you're empathize. You're, you're not understanding what's going on. Yes. And, 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 and you're not taking a moment to say, okay, let me understand what the Black Lives Matter movement is. Because if anyone who's, who's saying all lives matter, they literally haven't taken the minute it takes, the one minute it takes to go, let me hear your side of the story. Yeah. Right. That, that, that's all it takes because once you hear their side of the story you're like fuck it isn't all lives matter yeah. it isn't it's it's about equality matter. they just want to be treated the same they're not <laughs> even looking for equality that's the scary part well no but at, at the same time it's like come on we're just it's it's not and, like who gets more it's not a zero-sum game here it's just you know some respect stop beating me stop yeah. fucking killing yeah. me stop, stop shooting me Stop people. shooting me. Stop arresting me. Stop taking away my, my ability so to vote tired. I am with so a fucking of- marijuana possession bullshit charge and ruining my fucking life forever. It's yeah. and I'm sorry, I'm it just makes me angry. <laughs> I just I don't I it's I'm so tired of people fucking defending it on Facebook and saying, Well, this person was a criminal. So we just shoot criminals. So he gets the right to get seven and, shots uh, in the back and paralyzed for life. Yeah, that's and and what? everyone's seen the the. It doesn't the, happen to white people. It doesn't no, happen to white exactly. people. Exactly. Well, how about how about the guy in Wisconsin? He he walks past the cops. He just shot with his AR-15. Yeah, and they just like, hey, put your gun down. You know, like. And then they take him to McDonald's. Did you hear that? They took him to no. fucking McDonald's on the way to the. Blue. And there's people cheering him. There's actually yeah, commentators, right wing commentators, yeah. are saying, "Sign that guy up for for president because you know he's but a I patriot." Can't, I cannot even wrap my head around how. We I know. Right now. Yeah. But you know what? You know what, Amanda? I am, I am thrilled to have this conversation with a white woman from the south who's like on her fucking page. No, I, yeah. that, that that makes me feel like there's hope. Yes. There are good people in the South. There are good yeah. people in the South. The there South. Are. Now, the exactly. South gets a bad rap. The South gets a bad yeah, it rap. It totally does. And I think that, that that would be ignorant of us for us to think that everyone from the South is ignorant. And I think that that's the other important conversation we need to have is that we can't be ignorant about everybody just like we can't be ignorant about Black Lives Matter. We can't yeah, people, be ignorant. Yeah, you can't be people in buckets. I mean, we need to listen to what people are saying, right? We need right. to absolutely and this is not just about this one issue but like in general yeah but we should listen to people we should honor people for who they are we should tune in pay attention to people and we don't do very much of that with and right now we don't 
Okay, I just want to take one, like we're like literally like three minutes over already. But I just like last question of the night. How would you, like where, if you were to give me your impression of, you know, like, like obviously not the whole South, but New Orleans and Louisiana, you know, how, wh- what is the political climate like when it comes to this Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, is it as volatile as I assume it is? Are we like, are we on the verge of another civil war? No, I mean, I, I don't think, I think what's screwed up in the U.S. is screwed up in the U.S. It is not in the South. I mean, I, not, I, that's not being defensive. That's not being defensive about red versus blue. And oh, I mean, I, I'm saying, there are some yahoos in the South, I will tell you. And but you can speak those to assholes will probably carry for the current president. But that is not the entirety of the South. I mean, there are good, dignified, open-minded people, especially in the bigger cities like New Orleans. New Orleans is very... Um, you know, very the city's become very liberal, and it doesn't matter where it is Texas, all the big cities. Well, Brad, you've always said that. We it's were just talking about Wisconsin. I mean, like, it's, it's everywhere in the U.S., it's everywhere in the mm-hmm. U.S. There's no one that's insulated from it. Um, and I'll tell you, after, after the Floyd killing, I did see a lot of really cool things happening all through the South. All through, you know, I, th- there were protests, there were people coming out in support, and but- do you like like Brad being from not from um, the United States of America? Do you feel like my wife's American, so I speak for her? <laughs> do you like I hope she's not listening? This is this is for me. Do you look at the United States and think, oh, the South is different? Like, do you really? I do. You do? I, 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 I actually understand the U.S. better than shows like yeah. the Thirteen, where I learn about fourteen-year-old boys. Now this goes back to the fifties being beaten to death for cat calling a woman yeah. and he was he was a boy from chicago right who in chicago he had a white girlfriend he goes down he goes down to the south and he whistles at a woman gets beaten to death so i i have these assumptions that the south is worse i don't know if it's true but these I, are I can't, these I can't, assumptions i draw from the medium yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't, I certainly can't make assumptions. It just breaks my heart. But, um, I, I don't know. I don't know, Andrew. I think that generally speaking, yeah, there's a, it's a more conservative and, and, and different sort of way of life, but it's changing okay. everywhere. It really I, I is. Attitudes are changing. I know I'm going to say the wrong things, <laughs> but I'm just going to tell you what I hear and what I, yeah. what, what I understand. And I, I want to, I want to check in with people who are really from the South and, I'd love to hear that I'm fucking wrong. Now, I think you're also from a big city in the South, right? Which is, which is a, again, right. a different perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. New Orleans is definitely not, uh, you know, Birmingham. Well, Mobile I, I've been to New Orleans, and, and, and I, I never once felt like this big racial divide. In fact, I felt there was a, a great big party full of black and white people. Everyone having a great time on on uh on uh the main street there which i can't think of the name urban street. urban street bourbon street mm-hmm. that's where our, our hotel was on bourbon street and i was like this is a town i can get into like liver failure yes <laughs> <laughs> well i was there for a stag so we were expecting to have liver failure but anyway um, we, we so should, uh should yeah line. i guess we'll have thanks so much amanda i'm glad we uh i know we've had communication online for a while but this is the first time we've got to meet <laughs> almost in person so 
and it's, stick it's, around for a bit. We, we I'd love to. Yeah, to we we like to have a little chat up. So next week we have the lovely Kelly G. Kelly Gonzalez from oh, New York City is going to be our guest. Everyone that knows Kelly loves Kelly, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks again, Amanda. Thanks that for was, having that was me. Fun. And it was a, and it thank you for just being open and honest. And yes, having a, it was a great conversation. conversation and be willing to have that difficult conversation. Yeah, yeah well, hopefully. It's- so Eddie, you get to play our little song and then we'll say goodnight sure see you next week everyone and like i said kelly will be here next week and bye everyone here we go night